If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Welcome to this completely unnecessary podcast for Tuesday, August 6, 2019, alongside Plucky Ian Ferguson. Plucky. I'm Paltry Pat Contry. Today we'll be talking about Ninja streaming on, on Mixer, not Twitch, GameStop firing, firing uh, a bunch of dozens of regional managers, the Game Boy 30th anniversary. A Kid Icarus sealed game found in an attic and auction for 9000 Some fun with Zelda in China. And a, <laughs> yes, a, yes. a Patreon poll. Besides the tariffs. Um, and uh, and uh, your Q&A. Uh, real quickly, unfortunately, there were a couple of uh, uh, mass shootings that happened again uh, over the weekend in Texas and in Ohio. Um, and of course, you had besides the, the the reasonable solution people were saying oh we should look into uh, stronger gun control laws and how about stronger universal background checks something that you know 90 percent of americans agree with that passed in the house no problem people but, uh, you know mitch won't bring that yeah the house uh, excuse me the senate majority leader is tabling things uh like that to be voted on just like you know securing our elections but um you had a lot of politicians uh, just about only GOP talk about violence in video games as a contributing factor to gun violence. And it's just, it's, it's, it's tiring to talk about since we brought this up, I think last year, and I know I've talked about a Noxicon podcast and we talked about there's, there's no absolutely zero link to uh, gun violence between gun violence and violent video games. Um, every other country in the world has the same violent video games. J- Japan has a ton of video games. Europe, they play the same video games and they don't have the gun violence we do. It's right, a, it's a bad scapegoat. I'm sick of talking about it. But we have to reiterate that because we can't let uh, lawmakers try to control the narrative about why this stuff is happening. They don't want to lose money from lobbies. They simply want to, but, um, yeah, scapegoat it and move on to the next thing, so they don't have to take any real action. Yeah, the NRA NRA contributes to uh, uh, Republicans, uh, in particular, Mitch McConnell's one of them. And the NRA is is at least partially backed by Russia at this point. It's almost a foregone conclusion that they are. So uh, the only thing I could say, obviously, it's terrible. And at the same time, you have a, a buffoonish president stoking the fires of bigotry as much as he can. That doesn't help at all, obviously. And so I'm going to say that just, you know, we have elections in a little over a year and a couple months. Just uh, vote how you think you should vote to vote out the people who are uh, – not doing a goddamn thing to to try to you know change our 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 our, our climate and make me you know li, you know try to make me a little less fearful of going out in public because I hate to say it, some of these conventions now I'm thinking about in the back of my mind I always worry if. about it I always worry about it at conventions and and and, and this isn't I don't, I don't think this is this is um I don't, I don't think it's a political partisan 
issue. It shouldn't be. It really shouldn't be. People make um, it one. They make it, but it's ridiculous. It's like climate change. People make climate change a, a political debate when it has nothing to do with that. It's, it's a science debate, climate change. It's not politics. It's ridiculous. Um, but, uh, yeah, just, just vote out who you think should be voted out. Hold, hold, hold your politicians accountable on the local level, state level. Hold them accountable. Vote them out. Get active. That's one thing I could say if, if, you're, if, you're, if you don't like the direction of where things are going. You know, that's all. I'm going to say about that. Let's see if you guys have anything else to add. Over no there. about that. Okay, so um, on a positive note, well, first off, we're going to be at Long Island Retro Gaming Expo this this weekend, Ian. I saw your your little uh, Twitter your Twitter uh, video. Oh, did it get posted? I didn't see it. The, the... <laughs> nice. It did. I think I'm going to do one. I'll just I'll just do one and tweet it myself. Um, that's in Long Island, baby. It's at expo.liretro dot com and that is august is that 11th and 12th 10th and 11th. 10th and 11th three days and and counting beforehand um and there's going to be pinball museum guest speakers tournaments musical guests you're gonna have me and ian hanging out probably doing a podcast panel you're gonna have the cheap ass gamer uh podcast Le- our pal leonard herman you're gonna have the modern vintage gamer frank cifaldi will be there um uh, my life and gaming on guys retronauts Vinny. Uh, from Vine Sauce and a bunch more. So again, go to uh, expo.liretro.com for tickets and information. And I'm gonna get a slice. I'm gonna get a slice, Ian. Hey, Vinny! I just can't. We need a, we need a, we need a cheese pie here, Vinny. <laughs> I want um, I want White Castle, and I just can't get that Frank Cifaldi guy out of my life. No, <laughs> can't get you out of my head. Um. And then I just was at Missouri Game Con, and it was my first Midwest uh, mid- Midwest convention. I heard it's a good one. It was good. I had fun. It was a one-day one. I was always leery about one-day events because it's a lot to, you know, you got to set up, do a panel, and then break down all one day. It's a lot to do. But I sold out of, of all of a certain NES guidebook, which, by the way, is going to be – it's. The truck broke down on the way to the warehouse to restock them. That's not even a, a joke. It should be restocked hopefully today or tomorrow. Oh, thank you, uh, uh, Sherry. And and, and uh, this is Oregon Trail. <laughs> Sherry in Atlanta has been coordinating with me. She's she's been a peach about yeah. Truck broke down, Patrick. And I want to tell you. I'm like, oh well, Sherry, it's not your pro- fault. Um, and then the certain Super Tunnel Guidebook is uh is actually getting proof right now, and that should be going to print this week. Oh, but anyway, Missouri Game Con was really fun. Uh, thanks for having come out. It's my first Midwestern one. Very flat, the Midwest. That is true. It's very flat. You don't see any mountains anywhere. Any, like San Diego, New Jersey, you look around, you can see mountains eventually somewhere. You know, if you look somewhere, or, or at least tall buildings, you can't see anything. <laughs> oh, yeah. There's no tall buildings. I mean, this was outside of St. Louis by about 15 minutes. There's, you're like looking around like you can't see it. <laughs> was it very flat as well? I just said it was flat. Uh, flat. Okay. That's the first thing just, I said. It's yeah. flat. Yeah. Flat and low, Ian. Every time I go back to There's Buffalo. barely any hills. Yeah. Like, like there's like, like one hill was like that. It's like, oh, we're on a little hill. It's all flat. Every time I go back to Buffalo, the first thing I notice is just how flat everywhere almost in the United States is. That's not California. Yeah. You come back to California and you think you're on a freaking roller coaster just driving. Compare it. Yeah. And in, in California's not even that much. I mean, some areas there's hills and stuff. But um, so so Jay from the Game Chasers was with Norm there with me uh, as as our pals, and they, they decided to take me to Golden Corral. <laughs> Buffets are the worst. No, buffets are fine, Ian. I've been to plenty of buffets. I've just never been to a Golden Corral before. Okay. And uh, I hope Golden Corral is a potential sponsor of the podcast or, or uh, you know, potentially be. But 
the reason we went there is because one time we were going to go to one, I think, in California, and it was just opening. It was going to be a brand new one. We literally pulled up to the Golden Corral. It was listed, and they were still building it on the inside. So we go to Golden Corral on, on Friday night. And I, and I um, I, I choice? Not mine. They they insisted. Norm, Norm and Jay insisted. All right. I'm like, well, we were supposed to take you to one before. I'm like, I don't. That wasn't like eating away at my soul that I didn't go to Golden Corral. I don't think they understood that. <laughs> I think they really wanted to go. Sure. And that that was their excuse to drag me. I never said, guys, let's go to Golden Corral ever in my life. I need endless meatloaf. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, so um, I value my meals very – meals to me at a convention are private time. I get to unwind and, and distress, and especially after I traveled and you know unpacked a bunch of books or set them up. So, so we go to Golden Corral, and we go there. And it's what I expected. It, 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 the, the decor was like a 1987 uh, kids' clothing shop, like how the carpet was and everything else. It was out of date. It looked like a Kids R Us a little bit on the inside, slightly. A lot of gravy ground into the carpet. Yeah, Kids R Us without the colors, without the purple and blue colors. <laughs> um, and then we had the food. Salad bar was okay. I mean, it's hard to scoop a salad bar. If you scoop a salad bar, you, you die. So everything looked fresh. You know, you had the eggs and the bacon bits or whatever else. That was fine. Then we went to the actual food. Mm. I had I had the bun, the, the the bun, the honey bun. It's no cheddar's honey bun. That's all I'm going to say. It was a little bit stale. Mm. And, I, and at this point, I'm not whining. I'm not complaining because, you know, when I don't have food I like, I, t- I tend to let people know. I get, I'm giving it a chance. I'm giving it, okay, maybe the bun's just bad. And then I started having some of the, the chicken. And the, actually, the fried chicken was okay. It was edible. Then I had the ham. I had the sliced ham, the fresh ham. Mm-hmm. And I saw Jay had it. So, oh, ham, I'm going to go get some. Or I think Norm had some or Jay. I went and got some sliced ham. The guy sliced you some fresh ham. Fresh ham, Ian. I should have looked at the ham before I ate it. The ham was gray. Ooh. It was grayish. Grayish. So up to this point, I survived. I had some mac and cheese. I had some collard greens. Greens were actually good. Again, if it was vegetables, you're in better shape. I, I get a fork full of ham. I go, Norm, can you get me a napkin? <sighs> Spit it out. The ham was bad. And Jay's like, it's okay. No, Jay, it wasn't. The ham was bad. And I think it started sinking that they had that this was a bad experience, even for them. So then I was like, you know what I had to settle on? Mm-hmm. You know what was actually was decent? The taco bar was actually de- Like, the taco meat was, 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 was okay, because people were eating it. It had been sitting there for like eight hours. My opinion, not a fact, allegedly... Some of the food was there for potentially eight hours, Oof. but but um, yeah. And then Jay Edwards said, "Yeah, Pat, you're right. It was it was wasn't good." I'm like, "Thanks for admitting that." They said, "No, but you wanted to go." I said, "No, I didn't want to go. I didn't. It was not my mind before you brought it up when I got to St. Louis, and, and I was like <laughs> begrudgingly accepting it. I may have. I said expressed light interest in going a to year one and a half year ago. ago. Yes, <laughs> yes, a year and a half ago." Um, but uh, that's why, we, and it's also why we can't have uh, universal healthcare because it's a place like Golden Corral. That's all and they're gray, ham. And, and and they're and they're you know, b- bottomless fried chicken, things like that. Um, so, but yeah, but Long Island, we're gonna grab a slice. But otherwise, people running uh, Missouri Game Con were great. Had a good experience there. Uh, it was fun. The panel it felt like stand up. I was actually walking around with the, with the microphone. I was like, oh, this is fun doing stand up. My, my dumb routine there. No, I don't do stand up routine there. All right. Anything else to add, Ian? Oh, Ian's birthday! Yay! Ian's going to be. Need to bring that. Oh, up. sure we did, Ian. It's uh, it's it's what it's on the ninth. So Friday, everyone wish Ian a happy birthday. He's going to be on the plane. Are you right. leaving on Friday or Thursday night? Thursday night. Okay. Well, uh, well, well, Ian, Ian's got a present for me first. Uh, he's got something for me. I threw it at you. It's down here. Okay. <laughs> 
it, it's probably the worst condition one. But three years later, Pat gets a Ian's birthday present. It, Pat gets a Bloodsport shirt back. It, it's it's the one that was to, the most to the right in the. Um, it smells like Ian. It smells like closet. It smells like Ian. So so this is a, a 2016 special from Thomas. Thank you, Ian, for giving me my present back. I think it but, might be 2015. You think it's four years? I think it's four years. Do you feel better now giving me a present that is mine, a gift that's mine? I feel the same. You feel the same, which means you're a sociopath. <laughs> Ian's a freaking sociopath. We confirmed it. Well, the reason I wanted you to, to uh, bring this to me, Ian, is because I could not in good faith give you a present from the guy that got me this present without getting my present back first. Uh-huh. So Thomas got you a present, Ian. Okay. So Ian, open a present up. Thank you, Tom. I'm opening. I'm opening now. And it's wrapped in in Justice League uh, wrapping paper. It's funny because he gave me pins the other day. Oh. It's, it's, in a, it's in a long box. What is it? What is it, Ian? Oh, it's the Bloodsport soundtrack. It's the Bloodsport soundtrack. Show the camera there, Ian. That's awesome. Then that's that's a hard to find limited. It's Paul Herzog. I, I hopefully it's, it's the original. It's the Kumite. German. Is it the original it's Kumite the version? Pressing. Not yeah. the crappy Kumite remake. Nope. That they did? Okay, it's so it's the original. So that's Thomas. So basically, what it comes down Thank to, you, Ian, Tom. is that I had to uh, ransom back my my present from four years ago in order to give you your birthday present. But hey, it all worked out. It did. It all worked out. Nice. So next week, I'm wearing this. And I'm going to cut off the sleeves. This is going to be Pat's Bloodsport sh- workout shirt right there. I'm, I'm going to put it on right now. I might strip in front of the camera right now. Oh, gross. Gross. You've seen me eat a burrito shirtless. It's fine, Ian. That well, birthday is fantastic. Ian, what are you turning? 37? Thir- uh, you don't yes. know. You don't know. Yes, 37. Okay. It's two years younger than Pat. I had to make sure it wasn't 38. We'll celebrate Friday night. We'll, do, we'll, get, we'll get a slice. Hey, hey, Vito! Vito! Get a slice for Ian. It's a birthday, huh? Yeah, it's my Long Island Italian voice. Gonna, it's a little bit off. I'm just going to eat a Crave case. A Crave case? Yeah. A Taco Bell? What is that? No, Crave case is uh, White Castle, 30 burgers in a suitcase. <laughs> you get like a little suitcase? Yeah. You get to keep the suitcase? <laughs> it's a, is it a plastic? cardboard suitcase. Okay. Well, happy birthday. Well, wish Thank Ian you. to have a birthday on Friday. Appreciate it. All right. Ian. Patrick. You know we're the official Battle Royale. Podcast and we're friends. We're good friends with Ninja. We are close personal friends of Ninja. Ninja uh, reached out to me, wishes you a happy birthday. It was tough to keep uh, all this news under wraps. I've been under oh, yeah. NDA for a month and a half. Yeah, when Ninja first told me about it, when we were hanging out by the docks, yes. back in June, I was like, Ninja, you making the right move, buddy? Going to going to another streaming service. Well, Ninja, and he was wistfully looking out over the ocean. He's like, wondering. Pat, he's like, Pat, you know, you were there for me in grade school. You gave me some good mentorship. I think I could tell. I can trust you. <laughs> So Ninja is now exclusively streaming on Mixer, which is Microsoft's um, streaming platform. And I've heard the name before, but it hasn't been it hadn't been for a while before this. Yeah, exactly. I hadn't heard it in ages. I was bent, I was actually like it's been a while. I thought it was like a dating site. <laughs> it sounds like a dating site. Yes. I guess Mixer because you're mixing things up like is that Microsoft trying to be too cool again like with the Zune? I have we'll, put, no we'll, idea. Put a, we'll put a Z word in there to compete with the iPod. So he is taking his 15 million followers over to uh, to Mixer with him, and it's a pretty big deal um, to have the biggest streaming star on Twitch snatched away to uh, the competing platform. Um, that's one of those things that could cause people to change almost immediately for name recognition. Oh, sure. Like I said, I hadn't heard about this in a w- six months or a year. I hadn't heard the name Mixer. Even and, online, I'm seeing people on Twitter who are already, you know, 
checking it out. Yeah, out loud wondering, should I split my time now between Twitch and Mixer? Should I go Mixer? It's pretty incredible, like, how quickly this could really all shake things up, especially within maybe the the next month. Oh, yeah. Um, and you have other... Uh, that that uh, Dr. Disrespect, that fine fellow, uh, videotaping people in bathrooms, was even saying, like, oh, I don't think this is going to work out unless I get at least five big streamers. It's like, no. All they need is a guy like this and people are gonna. It's it, it's it, people like me are thinking. Well, maybe Mixer is easier to get in the bottom floor. Maybe maybe you start going there and filling right. out the roster, and then um, yeah, I, I obviously he got paid money, an exclusive deal probably. Oh, for, yeah. he, uh, he didn't probably, just this, do this. This is this is a sports contract. Like this is probably like three to four years exclusive, and we'll give you you know seven figures. I'm I'm gonna guess like high seven figures i'm guessing he's getting multiple like a few million a year that's my guess it has to be because there's no there's no other reason for him to switch he was comfortable and he was making whatever a few million anyway but now he's guaranteed probably money and then even he had he probably had to uh you know hedge his bets in case all all of his subs potentially won't come over but a chunk will so he could potentially be making less money you know through tips and through you know, through streaming ads, but he wants that money. The the, the announcement video was funny because they tried to make like it make it jokey and it was kind of off a little bit. And he said, "I want to get back to my roots." And the way they're spitting, it's like, "Well, I used to play Halo, and that's how I started." This is Microsoft, and it's like, "All right, dude, okay." You I, don't need to explain you don't it. Explain just, it. Yeah, just I want take money. The money. It's take, fine. <laughs> it's okay to make money. You're not getting back to any roots. I know we're in an anti-capitalist uh, state of mind right now, but it's okay to make money. It's not evil to do that. Um... So within a few days, let's see. By, by, by this is August first, they announced it. By August third, he tweeted that they had reached five hundred thousand followers. So he had fifteen million. Said originally five hundred thousand in a few days, and then seven hundred sixteen thousand as of nine hours ago uh, today on the, the sixth. So that's pretty quick. Yeah, that's... It might take a while to get to uh, several million, but I guess there's not a lot of people probably know. Like if you're on social media, you know. But I guess if you're someone just following on on on. Twitch, he probably didn't have. He probably wasn't allowed to announce it on Twitch. Yep. So I mean, it's gonna be kind of hard to know. That's what I was saying prior. I think if we give it um, a few months, give it a month or two, and then we'll really he'll, see he'll what, like... what this has done. Um, that there's a stat here uh, in this Kotaku article um, that Mixer's numbers prior to this, and probably still, we'll see how it improves. Were, were uh, very low, uh, especially compared to Twitch. Mixer was only drawing 3% of all live streaming hours watched to Twitch's 72%. Well, so, the other one's on then. The other 25%, I guess like YouTube Pornhub. YouTube and Instagram Live and things like that, I'm guessing. Sure. Pornhub? Yeah. I don't think they can count uh, cam streamers. I don't think that counts uh, sex streamers. It's streaming. Cause that's, but that's a lot. That'll skew it a lot. <laughs> True. It'll probably okay. skew it a lot. Not that I would know. Anyway, um, so they got seven. We'll just say in the gaming sphere, it's probably it's probably yeah they're probably like one percent of the gaming right. <laughs> streaming versus Twitch is like probably like eighty to ninety. Then YouTube's probably like in there like five to ten percent. I'm guessing because YouTube is you know YouTube streaming I guess is has caught up a bit, but they're still behind Twitch, obviously. Um, so yeah, they had like a fridge of Red Bull. Ask him a question. It was a goofy video. It it was what it was. Um, people were saying, oh, they snagged his check mark. Well, no, that's because he actually is a is a partner um like like you know so that's why they got rid of it because you have to be exclusive to be a partner on twitch i think technically you know so he doesn't need a check mark anymore <laughs> yeah <laughs> i wonder if he give them a heads up or if they it'd be cold if they just found out that uh that morning on on the social media i'd be cold imagine that hitting you right in the chest i got a feeling they found out that morning i got a feeling he didn't 
Or maybe he tried to say it. Maybe he went to Twitch and said, hey, listen, they're offering me this. Can you match this? Can you give me a few million dollars to stay? And they're probably like, well, we don't need you. We're Amazon. You know, we don't need your... True. And honestly, they don't. I mean, like, they do in terms of keeping all the traffic there, but uh, in terms of revenue, the revenue is made up elsewhere. Yeah, they overall. Don't, they're not really worried about the cash. It's a little bit of a hit to them, but it's not overall. People, I think, will fill in. But but no now but now it's a competitor so long term it's it might be an issue with with other other streamers I look at it as other streamers will say well he's doing well enough there and maybe I can pick up more people because there's, there's less of an overall vibe there I don't look at it like that I look at it as you have an overall streaming universe mm-hmm. and you follow people and unless you get noticed because there's no one else to be there's not a lot of people on that one you know it's, it's, it's more of a shallow pool of streamers and you can get noticed otherwise I don't see it changing the number of people looking at you like again unless they discover you on a, on a service that's that's a lot less you know but overall though there's so many streamers though it's hard to keep up right i mean it's so easy to stream that everyone does it people you know? have multiple social media applications and stuff yeah. like that they they'll have multiple streaming apps but the but but for the amount of exposure they're going to get from this oh yeah this is a no-brainer for microsoft to do this and then um i have no idea about i, I i'm hoping that it probably has a lot of the stuff that Twitch has already. Maybe it's probably missing some stuff. It probably has to have like emojis and things like that uh, on the site. I, I like I said, I haven't been to it. Mixer, Mixer uh, Ninja. Let's see what comes up. I, I'm, I'm searching on Bing too. I'm in the Microsoft family. I'm searching on <laughs> Bing.com, which is not the best. Google kicks the hell out of Bing. Bing by is the way. not very good. Bing is not good. I think Ask Jeeves is better than than Bing. Web crawler. Web web crawler. I liked web crawler back in the day. Hotbot AltaVista. Hotbot AltaVista. Lycos. Lycos was good. Excite. All the web is still around. Uh, Right now I opened it up and people are watching them. 37,000 people are watching them play Fortnite right now. 37,000. That's nuts. So, so it's uh, so far so good. All, all, all all Mixer has to show is that this is, this is a competent alternative. Doesn't have to have all the single bells and whistles right now, but this is good enough for right now. And then we can add in more stuff with our with our Windows Bill Gates money. Yep, that's basically it. Uh, as long as it's not, it just needs to be a fully functioning platform. And I have a feeling people will at least try streaming on there, even if they stream on Twitch, just to see what the sure. difference might be. I'm sure OBS will build it into the next. Probably was built into OBS. I never even checked it. You know, it probably yeah. was. Good point. It probably is. Yeah. I know that it's supposed the to have a bunch are. of overlays and stuff right off the bat that you can use. All for Mixer. Yeah on top okay well here's to our pal uh, ninja ninja next time you're town fish tacos are on me you know where i live ninja you got them last time got, thanks for getting those nachos last time ninja. guest room's always open <laughs> guest room's always open <laughs> all right uh ian more gamestop news yes gamestop lays off dozens of regional managers as it searches for a future this kotaku article we're looking at so that was that uh, last tuesday um GameStop laid off about 50. That was Thursday. Thursday? Wednesday or Thursday. It was right after the podcast. It might have been late Tuesday, early Wednesday. Yeah, it then. says on Tuesday. Okay. Um, that uh, employees took to Reddit to mention that they had lost um, their regional managers. GameStop put out this statement, which is uh, just a huge amount of um, business ease BS. It's part of our continued GameStop Reboot Transformation Initiative. GameStop Reboot Transformation Initiative. Wow, that's a lot of corporate speak in one sense. <laughs> Rebo- what is it? GameStop Reboot? 
as part of our continued GameStop reboot, reboot. transformation initiative. Holy, Holy shit. shit. That, that's, I'm not even, I'm not even starting. A dedicated team, including the retail vice presidents, HR, LP, and the U.S. store operations leadership team, have been working diligently to realign our current field regions and districts in an effort to reduce our cost structure and build efficiencies into our field oh, leadership Jesus organization Christ. so that we can reinvest in the business. Oh, God. Unfortunately, with these changes, there are more than 50 field leaders who have been impacted oh, and will be leaving the GameStop team. This includes regional district, HR, LP, these decisions are not easy, but necessary to help us reduce costs to enable investment and in revenue driving initiatives that will help grow the business. Once again, I love how it's um, they have been impacted and will be leaving the GameStop team. These decisions are not easy. Wait, did they are they leaving or did you fire them? You fired them. You fired them. You took away their jobs because you guys don't know how to run any sort of a business. So. Well, I mean, they did at one point. It's just that... Yeah, 1998, 99. They can't keep up with the, the changing landscape, which is fine. But, uh, yeah, this is this is just cost-cutting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, just I mean, cost-cutting. It's, a, it's an initiative. So it's just it's 50 people just across the sales team, regional regional sales team. Uh, that doesn't include other people. Like So it actually, it's actually more than 50 people, like overall. Yes, over, over 50. That was mostly just the district leaders. I am sure that... Sales representatives will follow. Um, I, I mean, as much as they want to talk about restructuring and reinvesting in the business, no, to they're... me, this is the most bold writing on the wall. Okay, um, for them falling apart within just... probably a year. Oh well, yeah, we'll just do some pat math. I mean, this is to help their, their stock keeps going down. If you, if you say, "Oh, we cut all these jobs," in, in theory, that means your revenue goes up, your, your profit goes up automatically. Or, or at least less losses. So 50 people, we'll just say the average salary of the 50 people is, you want to say 75,000? We'll just say 75,000. Could be more or less. That's a savings of, that's a savings of let's just say, $4 million in a year. Those, they don't have to pay those people, plus the benefits, which is also a cost. So that they're saving $4 million of operating costs in a year. That's but not going to do... That's not going to do shit. Yeah, that's such a drop in the bucket of what they have in terms of a, Al- a problem. Unless they really thought that they were redundancies and they didn't need them. I mean, that's always something, too. But, yeah, well, this is the beginning of the end when they start just cutting, you know, slashing jobs in mass like this. This is this isn't, this isn't good. Now it's every week it's something with GameStop. Uh, I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure the stocks, the stock price has reacted. In June, the price was uh, the stock price was at five dollars and four cents. Um, now it's at four dollars and two cents. Now it's at three dollars seventy one cents. Oh, as of yesterday. Okay, so in a week it's dropped from four hundred two to three seventy one. Three seventy two went, went up. Went up today. Uh, uh, five hundredths of a cent. People are feeling, five thousandths of a cent. It went up. People are feeling confident. So let's see. So you thought from last week? Did let's see Tuesday, Wednesday? Did this the price go up after they announced this? Nope. It, it's it's been slipping down. There hasn't been a. There hasn't been even like a. The last time it went up even a little bit looks like was in uh, middle of July. It went up, uh, you know, twelve cents from four twenty to four thirty-two. They must have announced something. Probably, probably another initiative that they announced. So, oh, slight boost. I'm confident you can turn around. Something that said nope. And so now it goes up a little bit. Then it just comes down. So, so this is done. You think Nick Fury goes to all of these stars and is like, "I'd like to talk to you about the uh, GameStop reboot initiative, reboot transformation Nation initiative." initiative. <laughs> so what is that? G R 
T I G R T I Gertie. It's Gertie. Gritty. Gertie. Gritty. Oh wow! 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 Fifty plus district leaders, six regional leaders, multiple HR human resources, and LP loss prevention staff. There's specific people at GameStop stores that are just for loss prevention, like security I've, guards. I was wondering that because I've never seen it, but I'm sure in bigger, in you know, bigger like ones? city stores, there, probably there might be a is. couple of people looking yeah. around, make sure you're not you're not stealing right. some some Funko Pops or T-shirts that have been on the rack. <laughs> Certainly three, not games. Three for fifteen dollars uh, there. Um, wow. All right, this is the next. Uh, okay, yeah, you said in June they dropped thirty percent the stock. Yeah, the five dropped. Now it's dropped another twenty percent, over twenty percent in in a, in, in a month. Uh, wow. All right, so the next step, this is how it works. Next step, what? how many more stores are they going to be cutting operation for You know, later this year? That's the next step. As or they in, might wait till after Christmas, but that's the next step. How as many, in, like, how many stores they're actually going to yeah. shutter? Yeah, how many more stores? How many couple more hundred? I mean, it's, so what month are we in? We're in August. Yeah. I think, do you think they'll keep what they have until after the holiday season and then maybe. drop it? It makes sense maybe to do that, maybe, unless they think it's not going to be worth it versus what the money they're taking in for the store. They might just say, screw it, right now we're going to drop yeah. them. Yeah, I have a feeling if that's the uh, case, they're going to drop them in September. They'll drop it before October and the, before the holiday season really gets rolling. Sure, so they know what people can go to their new... <laughs> go to the other GameStop down, down the road. Not yeah, this the way. last thing they want to do is have people who actually want to give them money and then... <laughs> You know, not you know, just disappear. So they'll probably do it earlier. In a June fourth earnings call, the CEO George Sherman, is that Auto Parts George, reported that used game sales had dropped twenty percent. Twenty percent earlier this week, Sony announced its earnings call that the first time ever that digital game sales had surpassed fifty percent of all games purchased for the PS4. That's insane. So that's the tipping point. There it is. I remember it was just not even a decade ago where everyone was like, oh, no, we're not doing that. Why would we buy a digital game? Why would we do that? Well, well over 50% of them. Tipping point. Here we reached it. It's the the, the Rubicon. <laughs> I never saw that movie. Where's the Rubicon from? I don't know. I don't know. I just know the expression. Okay, then. So um, it's going to be hard to keep updating the uh, the, the ending for no, the Not For Resale documentary because we put a title card for GameStop. And I think at this point, it's just how they lost like over... Half million dollars in 2018. Um, it was like was it 518 million? Uh, I, I told I told uh, Kevin who's directing it. Uh, keep the editor open and uh, until that Blu-ray gets made because if they decide we're going to just like shutter like 90 percent of our stores, we got to change the title card. At the end of the yeah, movie. no spoilers, but we go through digital versus physical. That's that's the documentary, and so we have to bring up GameStop at the end. It's not good. It's not a spoiler. That GameStop is doing horribly. Power to the players, Ian. Well, I hope those uh, 50 plus people find uh, jobs, get, you know, land back on their feet somewhere. You know, I don't know if they're GameStop lifers. If, if you're in corporate, it's probably, you know, easier to find, you know, another job again and that doing the same HR stuff. You know, it's kind of hard to transfer GameStop skills, you know, working in a game store, though. It's kind of a little bit tougher, but you'll find something. Management transfers everywhere. And I mean, cash cashier skills. Using- Regional manager. You can work for Suncoast, maybe. Using. Um- Using like I always call them the microsystems, but using like being able to work with that sort okay. of software, it's it, it'll it'll help them. You know, even like a clothing store, you mean like maybe they can like a regional manager with clothing yeah. store or I mean, something. A lot of places yeah. just look for any experience whatsoever. Any experience in retail in a, in a district manager level. Okay, hey, maybe that guy worked at, at Suncoast. That guy with the with the with the with the Corvette. I told you. About. Oh boy, maybe yeah, he's a guy they could talk to. Oh boy. 
All right, um, Ian. How dare we not bring up the Game Boy 30th anniversary? Well, did, we're did, in between we, its birthdays. In which we did, did we mention it last? Oh, no, we didn't mention it. But did it happen right after the podcast last week? Oh yeah. So it was. Uh, and uh, yeah, it was July 31st. Okay. July 31st was the 30th birthday. So it was right after of the Game Boy. It was right after our last episode um, in North America. And I can't believe that. Was yeah, it? yeah. It, July 31st in North America. April 21st in Japan. Okay. We're going by North America. Um. Invented by Gunpei Yokoi, the Game Boy is the um, not the first portable system with interchangeable cartridges, um, but, but certainly the most popular. Watch the video game years for that microvision that we all love. Yes. <laughs> um, it went on to spawn you know, uh, numerous follow-ups for Nintendo, the Game Boy Pocket, the Play It Loud series, the Game Boy Color, the Game Boy Advance SP, the Game Boy Advance, oh. the regular one. Um, but it all started with this: a black and white monochrome screen, a screen, green and white, eight kilobytes of internal <laughs> video RAM. Uh, Are you still on the Wikipedia looking at the specs? I yeah. am right now. Yeah, uh, two fifty-six bytes. Um, sound. The sound chip um, is one of the things that it's notable for, but. Because uh, yeah, because remember, this is six years after the Famicom came out, so this is a lot more advanced sound. Yes, in that it time is. Um, but uh, it rocketed to popularity in the U.S. with the pack-in game Tetris. Sure, um, everyone knew how to play Tetris. I think that's where a lot of people cut their teeth on it. If it wasn't, um, you know, various download computer versions, um, it wasn't uncommon to see you know a middle-aged person playing Tetris. I remember sitting in a doctor's office and the first time I ever played a Game Boy was there was actually like a a 45-year-old or a 50-year-old sitting next to us and asked if I wanted to play Tetris on the Game Boy and I remember holding it for the first time. Dean's little chubby fingers. And uh, I was nervous to use it. I remember I was nervous to use it and I died very quickly. Uh, Well, lost very quickly in Tetris. So um, it launched with... Five games in the U.S.? Five, yes. Um, Super Mario Land, Alleyway, Baseball, Tetris, and Tennis. Um, Have I ever played that tennis game? I don't think I ever played that tennis it's game. It's fun. I like oh, it. I'm sure it is. Yeah. Most tennis games are, has, are pretty fun. Nintendo doesn't screw up tennis games, seems no. like. No, they Super. don't. <laughs> they do a fun tennis game. Mario Tennis. Super fun. Tennis. Original NES uh, Black Boss Tennis is fine. You know, Super Tennis was really good. It's really good. Um, four stars, according to certain Super Tennis Guidebook. Yeah, I think so. I have to check. That's good. <laughs> One of the things that I think made the uh, Game Boy as popular as it was, despite the fact that color handhelds would come out in the links and the Game Boy. The links came out, like I think, like a month later. Right. Um, the name recognition. The fact that Nintendo had already become a household name, and they were porting versions of those games to the Game Boy. So people, I think, were willing to put up with, you know... Uh, slightly inferior technology because at the time they didn't really know what they were looking for anyways. There wasn't a whole well, lot of precedent behind these these handheld game systems. Yeah, because there hadn't been a handheld really on the market um, of this caliber. Microvision was of that caliber. But you know what I'm saying? So you had the, the Tiger LCDs. You had, you know, the little blips, the little, you know, little things like that. But that's not this. These right. are complete video games. You get Tetris, you get Super Mario Land, you know, there was Castlevanias, they did a Zelda, they kept it going by actually paying attention to it, taking it seriously, and doing good versions of their big name games you, on their, their normal system. You didn't mention Yakuman in Japan. 
Oh, I was just uh, mentioning the US. Title. I was just mentioning the US on, ones. I know. Yeah, I, I have that. It's pretty good. Oh, tennis was a port of the of the NES game. Was that right? I have never played. Not Game exactly. Boy, game Boy Tennis. Let me look up some gameplay of that. It's it's. But but that, but but they basically. I mean, they didn't. They didn't create the market for the. They kind of did. Yeah, the market had been dead for eight nine years. If you count the microvision, they did kind of create the market, the handheld market. Yeah, they, I mean, with the um, game and I mean, because you go back to the game and watches yeah. prior, um, which were Gunpei Yoko, and, and they were still making game and well. watch when the Game Boy was out. Yeah, it was still going. They, they, they were cycling them out, but you know, I, I think Nintendo, I, I, at least, they definitely made the handheld market something um, that people took seriously. Uh, people bought, you know, the little. LCD poker games and the Tiger ones this is an amusement, but I don't think anyone ever looked at them and thought of them as a true replacement for playing a video game. Oh, this, yeah, this is a spiritual successor of the NES game, though. Uh, tennis. You still have Mario there. It, the swings look si- kind of similar. Obviously, it's, it's a better game, probably. Look at them changing sides. It's adorable. Mm-hmm. It's a oh. good game. Oh, uh, what I remember about the Game Boy, I remember, of course, Kevin had it. Oh, and I didn't. Kevin, my Ke- um, my Kevin never had one. It was one of the oh. few things I had over Kevin. Kevin had it, and he had Super Mario Land. Wouldn't let me play it. Um, I think I think we let him play Tetris every now and then. And um, I don't think he had the link. I, I don't remember. I don't remember seeing people link it up to players. I remember it happened a couple of times. I remember like like my cousin used to get everything and, and got the the four player with uh, the, what the hell's a racing game uh, that came with the F one race. Yeah, F one race, and pl- we played it, tried it maybe once with like three people. At like like one of the cousins' parties, whatever, mm-hmm. and it was cool to to do that. But that was that was a novelty. No one really used that four player adapter. No, I don't know how many games. Uh, Faceball two thousand. Have a nice day. Yeah, uh, but Nintendo created a new market, um, and they and I, I'm looking at the stats. I'm surprised. I thought the Play It Loud came out sooner than ninety five. So it took six years for the Play It Loud different cases to come out. Which at the time I for I, real. Holy moly. I thought it was like May 93. Um, yeah. So it was not until 95. And then they did the Play It Loud with different cases, like the transparent one, you know, the blue one. There was like, what, six or seven different ones? You know, red, uh, clear, green, clear black, green, yellow. Yeah. black, yellow. And then, and then I was like, this is bullshit. Why isn't it black and white? I said, I, mean, I said that. 15-year-old Pat said that. So then the next year, they came out with the Game Boy Pocket, which I would have bought if it came out years before, because by then I thought the Game Boy was sort of on its last legs, and that's right before when the Color came out, right? When did the Color come out? Color came out in, uh... 97? 96. 96 or 97. When did Game Boy Color come out? So, but but this was, was also the start of Nintendo saying, oh, let's just keep recycling our, our handheld console in different different ways. They figured that. Oh, it was 98, Game Boy Color. Wow. 98, Ian. Hmm. And the lifespan of that one was, was six years, but the original Game Boy's lifespan was uh, 14 years. That's insane. 89 to 2003. It's a beautiful thing. That's that's like, that's only like that, and I think the PS2 might have went that long. I think the PS2 was about 13, 14 years, there was, I believe. Atari was 77, and there were still games released in 89. So that's 12 years. 12. We're just looking at games released, not yeah. producing it. What was the PS2? But anyway, that's impressive. That's incredibly impressive. By that point, it might have been just Japan doing the black and white games. I don't know. Uh, uh, unless, they're, unless they're counting it. Oh, they might have been counting as... They might be throwing in Game Boy Color with Game they Boy are. on here. Oh, then that doesn't count then. That's a different console. Oh, yeah. If you mean total lifespan, yes. Yeah, that's, yes that doesn't count. 
But I, but if you want to look at Game Boy games, I'll look it up. Game Boy games. It has to be at least to like ninety nine, two thousand. I would think it has to be ten, eleven years. Yeah, Game it Boy was a long was. time. It was. I think it was about. I think six hundred games for black and white. Not counting. Uh, not t- counting the color ones. Uh, listed the original Game Boy games. Uh, when's the last one that came out? Probably was Japan. Uh, let's see, ninety eight. They're still making it. Ninety eight, ninety nine. Was there a two thousand one? Um, two thousand. Uh, Pokemon Yellow Special Pikachu Edition. Okay. And then some games in Japanese. I can't say. So two thousand. Looks like two thousand was the last year. A handful. So okay, like, yeah, because so like eighty nine to two thousand, like eleven, twelve years. That's impressive. Still nuts. It's impressive. And people were probably playing it more still than people were playing Atari games in 89. So, 1,049 games released across regions. That might make it a little more difficult for a certain Game Boy guidebook. <laughs> Definitely can't include color. Color was about, I think, about five or 600. I think I got them backwards. Yeah, color was about five or 600. Um, and then this was that. They're different systems, technically, anyway. And yet, there were a few. There, a few. there was like a few dozen backwards compatible Game Boy color that, that worked on Game Boy. The, the, which, which the was, black ones. The yeah. black carts would which work is, on a black and white, but they had a full color palette on the color. Yeah. They're, they were basically backwards compatible. So would you count that in the Game Boy library or Game Boy yes. color? You would. Yeah, if you can play them on the Game Boy, I would call it. They show up in black and white. Yeah. And then, then they had some that were, were uh, special features for the uh, Super Game Boy. Yes. Super, that was those as well. Yeah, there were uh, those weren't even black cartridges necessarily. They were uh, just like the Donkey Kong ninety four. It was just say somewhere in the box. And it says yeah. enhanced for Super Game Boy. And you would get like like for Donkey Kong, you get like the, the it looked like the, the arcade when you played it. it you got yeah. a nice border Overlay. and it added uh it added a little bit of animation to it. Oh, too. it did. It's one of the few games that really took advantage of the Super Game Boy and did some cool yeah, stuff. Ian's got to consult on on uh, maybe the certain Game Boy guy book. Certain Game Boy guy. <laughs> that, that, that's the Super Nintendo one's even out yet, but I would but, like to. Stay State that if oh go for it no go for it. Uh, but I was gonna because as I keep going back and forth not to make it about uh, book stuff but uh, G- Game Boy intrigues me more than more because of the library versus N sixty four Game Boy yeah. libraries the N sixty four library is trash we know that Game mostly. Boy library is wide and beautiful and I don't think people want to learn about you know the the forty five racing games on the N sixty four I don't think there's an interest in there. I just don't. I think people's desire for an N64 guidebook comes down to they want to read someone else talk nicely about the 25 games that they also like. But nothing about the rest. Nothing. I mean, because no one cares about all the racing games. No one cares about the sports games. Yeah. No one cares about, what was it, uh, NBA in the zone or whatever it was? Mike Piazza's strike zone. Mike Piazza. Don't make fun of my Mikey. So, if you like Game Boy, I do do a Game Boy thing with my friend Rick. Uh, Check out at... Yokoi Kids, Y-O-K-O-I-K-I-D-S. And, uh, yeah, play some Game Boy games with us. Celebrate its birthday. All right, so here's to, here's to 30 years of the Game Boy and uh, Pat never having one as a kid. Sad, isn't it? So that's like you don't have one now? No, I have, I'm, yeah, I have a bucket of them now. <laughs> a bucket. A bucket. But now you can play them on the SP and you're good to go. Um, or on the uh, – no, you can't do it on the micro, right? You can't play them on the micro. No, you can only do GBA on the micro. GBA, that's right. I don't like the micro. It's too, it's too micro. SP is fine. Grab yourself an SP or one of the third-party ones out there. Celebrate celebrate that while Pat was playing Ninja Gaiden on his LCD tiger and getting sick in the car. I didn't have that one, but I had Batman, and they were the exact same game, just different graphics. They just swapped them out? Yeah. Is Tiger still making games? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure they are. All right. Ian. Patrick. It's 2010 again. It sure is. People are finding rare games and it's becoming national news 
right. there, there was like a CNN article. I believe there was a CNBC article about a Kid Icarus sealed game being found in a man's attic in an auction for $9,000. Any parallels to a statement event story from uh, nine years ago? No, no. None at all. No, no similarities. So uh, where is this guy located here? Um, so it was uh, obviously it came out in 87. Um, where's the actual article? What happened to the article? It went away. All right. The guy went in his attic. <laughs> I can't find the article. It, now, uh, it disappeared. It disappeared. The link is dead. He had it as a kid. I guess never played it. Now he's an older man, probably around 40. He goes in the attic and discovers he has a kid Icarus there. And then nowadays you can look up and know that this stuff could be worth money. Scott Amos is his name. Scott Amos. Founded it in his childhood home in Reno, Nevada earlier this year. It was among boxes. Uh, oh, no, someone assumed that. Um, the game cartridge had the JCPenney's uh, receipt. Sold for thirty eight forty five after taxes. Um, and uh, Must have been thirty four ninety nine. Yeah. Yeah, 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 that would have made sense. Um and I guess despite the time passed, uh, it was in good condition. Uh, Wada Games scored the box an 8 out of 10, and the oh. wrapper an A, short of the maximum oh. A++. They give wrap the wrap a different grade than the box? I did not even know that. <laughs> Neither did I, but it, you know what? It makes perfect sense in the collecting world, I guess. Um, yeah. There are fewer than 10 known factory-sealed Kid Icarus's. Wow. So that's yeah. impressive to me. I, that, that's, um, that's surprising that we know about. Uh, let's see. This so, article on Geek is saying that he doesn't actually remember buying the game. He's like, I don't remember the game at all. Or his my, parents got it for him. My neighbor down the street had it. I remember it being hard, and I was never that good of a gamer guy. <laughs> well, good thing you, you didn't open it and play <laughs> <Yeah>. it. <laughs> let's see. Valerie McLeckley said, McLeckie, video game consignment director at Harris Auction said, Kid Icarus is one of those really iconic, really iconic titles for the Nintendo Entertainment System. Finding a sealed copy in the wild is very difficult. It's nigh, nigh too impossible because there's less than 10 known sealed that are in the hands of collectors currently, and we don't suspect that there are, there are very many, if any more, that are still sealed. Okay, Valerie. This is where I have a problem with this stuff. You have the people at Heritage coming in thinking that they are experts at oh, this stuff. They are absolutely not experts sure. at this stuff. They are trying to learn and catch up to you know 20-plus years of video game collecting knowledge and yeah they're getting some help here and there uh, about it uh how do they know there's less than 10 known seals i mean they've created less than 10 or they asked around that's what's interesting to me that they're going to start coming up with this because they do this with comics with comics they do, like, for action comics i'm like okay there's less than you know 60 and there's less than right. 10 in this certain grade you know what i mean like like they know like, well there's only one or two that are near mint like they, they track it once they come in and, and grade them a uh, cgc uh, with this stuff, I'm I'm guessing they're starting to obviously they have a database of how many of each title in each grade. But how do they know that? How do they know that they, those older collectors we talk about don't have sealed games laying out there? I had a neighbor. My father had a neighbor um, in New Jersey, a guy about uh, about my father's age. So in the early '90s, he would have been, you know, like 40, about. And I went over to his house, and I told the story to Ian before, maybe not on the podcast. He let he let me play the games. They were all sealed. He was one of these guys that had money and just bought every Nintendo game. Didn't you say for at least for as long as you knew him, he just bought literally every one that came out? He had a shelf. So if we're talking, this is like early 88. By early 88, there was still less than, I think, a couple hundred NES games. He had at least over 100. Like, he had them laid out. 
I remember seeing Zelda. I remember seeing Black Box games. And the ones I borrowed to go on vacation to Ocean City, Maryland, Ian, and this must have been 87 or 88, uh, I remember borrowing Jeopardy and Paperboy. And I was set. Pat was set. I think Ninja Gaiden I borrowed, I borrowed at one point. The Paperboy manual I still have there was his. Really? Because I forgot to give it back. You jerk. Because right, you know why? Because I, I remember seeing it years later. It was with like toys and stuff. Even when I didn't have my NES games, somehow that Paperboy manual survived. But here's the point. The point is he never opened all these sealed games. And he was a random guy that had them. And then 15 years later, I think he died. And I remember trying to ask about the games, you know, maybe to buy them. Uh, and I couldn't get in touch uh, with, with his wife uh, at the time. And she probably had them or sold them. So here's the point. This was just some random guy. They don't know about this random guy's games. And this is one random guy. Well, this is we're still in the early stages of, this, of the, these games coming out. This is like where comics probably was like in the 70s and probably 80s before the prices really, really shot up where people are like, oh, what do I have? What does my grandfather have? What do I still have from 40 years ago? Because now maybe I'm only 50 years old. You know what I mean? Now it's starting. Now people are going to go look in their closets more so than even in 2010 before social media uh, let people know about, oh, you might have a statement events. Now I think this stuff's going to start to come out. This is going to sound harsh maybe coming out of my mouth, but it's not meant to. It's just the way it is. They have to start talking with this authority, whether yes. they have it or not. If it's ever going to turn into what this group of people want it to turn into, yeah. if they don't start using the, the 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 terminology like they know everything about it, then no one's going to believe it. Yeah, it sounds silly when they talk like this to perhaps people like us because we kind of understand what's going on. But if this is ever going to take off in other collecting circles, they need to make it sound just like any other sort of collecting, like comics. Yeah, and it was the one problem memorabilia. that... Memorabilia. I mean, VJ, Video Game Authority, no one trusted because no one knew who they were. With WADA, we know who the people are, so it's better, and, and they have at least yes. some some pedigree. But now, the the heritage connection, though, that's even one degree away from WADA. Why do these people... Why are they experts? Because they started auctioning stuff off six months ago. They're experts at this stuff now. Right. No, they have to come across like that. Yes, they I'm, have. T- I'm talking to these people from the comic book world. I talk to them. They have to fake it until they can make it, they, and that's what they're doing. Yes. They're nice people, but they don't know as much as people that have been around the hobby. They don't know potentially what's out there. But yeah, I'm so surprised that they think that there's ten known sealed uh, Kid Icarus ones. That doesn't mean there's only ten, obviously. Obviously, all got, games have been discovered. They've all been discovered. You know, the, Newsflash! <laughs> these aren't 80-year-old uh, comic books that by now everyone's died and then their, their, their sons and daughters have died as well, potentially, who yeah. had them. These are people that are now 30, 40 years old. They're discovering these games that they might not have opened. And the difference is that it has to be sealed in order for these, for these to make a lot of money versus just complete in-box, which are, you know, I guess a high-end complete in-box could make money. But... You know, looking at my sealed Mephat Conspiracy over there. I'm going to put that in Heritage Auctions and get it created. Oh, no, they gave me one. Wada was nice. That's right. They gave me it. They gave me one. Where is that? Yeah. I forgot I had one. Ian, they were actually nice enough. This isn't... This is the Wada people. They gave me a top secret episode and Ian got the DuckTales. Yeah, they gave me a cool they're not sealed. Oh, they're not sealed, though. No. Oh. Man, I should get my sealed one graded. No. This is how it starts, Ian. This is how it starts. They're trying to pressure me to do it. But, all right. And so, let's see. Uh, Amos and his family, or Amos and his family, speculates it was a holiday gift from his mother. Our only theory is that it was a Christmas present my mom bought for us and never actually gave to us. What a what a great mom! While this theory seems plausible, his mother reportedly doesn't remember making the purchase. Simply responding, "I paid thirty four ninety nine for a stupid video game." <laughs> Good old mom. <laughs> so they're going to use this almost ten k to. Uh, they're going to go on a vacation, and uh, yeah, good, good. Use it. Do it. 
It's better than letting it sit around. Money in hand now is worth more than potential more money down the road. It's worth two in the bush. Yes. Money in the hand is worth two cents elsewhere. I don't know. It's true, though. People saying, oh, you know, you wait for the stuff to go out. What do you want the money now? You know what they say about money in the hand? Yeah. Big feet. Big feet? I'm just mixing things together. Mix your metaphors up? Yes. Um. So okay, cool story. I think this is going to be. This might be. It's, this isn't like same events where like that. Those articles were irresponsible. It's like you could have treasure in your attic. These articles are are saying unopened copy of a game. So, yes, these are being. Yeah, these, this slightly is, more this responsible is much journalism. Less sensationalist than it was For that Yahoo article in 2010. Um, but believe me, a lot of people are going to get the same idea from it. People are going to be 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 saying, "Oh, is my game worth this much money?" No, it has to be sealed. People are going to be bringing me copies of Legendary Wings wrapped in saran wrap. Right. <laughs> yeah, this was all over CNET. This was CNN. This was all all over the place. So yeah, more more. I think more sealed games in general. People will go back and look and remember. Like, oh yeah, I remember getting some games, and I probably didn't open them all because I was a rich kid named Kevin, and I didn't appreciate what I had. Sure. They might do that and, and find them. They what? Might. They might. They might? Okay. They might, Rabbit. <laughs> they might. All right, uh, Ian. News out of China. Uh, besides the the, the the tariffs that plunged the Dow and the stock market, oh, it was at 800 points that went down. He's a smart businessman. Yeah, tariffs are, tariffs are great. Business tariffs are great. Yeah, screw, pl- pl- please screw with the, the tariffs while I'm trying to re- refinance my, my house. That's always good. Affect my mortgage rates, uh, potentially. That's good. Make it volatile. So, uh, so <laughs> I guess there's a people upset zelda fans uh there's a ps4 game that's uh it's coming out chinese uh, ps4 game called uh uh genshin impact open world uh zelda game so oh, excuse me uh, before you slip it's an open world game that looks like breath of the wild looks like breath of the wild with uh some slight anime influences <laughs> um so if if you there's a kotaku.com article and I'm sure there are other ones but it will show you um side by side pictures from uh from the games and uh while the locations are not exactly the same um the graphic style looks almost indistinguishable from Breath of the Wild. It's insane. Uh, it, it's close. The water looks the same. The, the the brush looks the same. The light laser beams coming from the guardians looks Almost the same. Oh yeah, I mean they just they just basically they they made they made the they made the guardians the robot guys. Yeah, they they're using the same appendages but just positioned differently. Differently, yes. <laughs> it looks uh, like, it's like the same. It's like Lego pieces they just took in and snapped them back together. So apparently they showed footage of it for the first time um, at the China Joy Gaming Expo, and uh, there's videos of angry Zelda fans uh, standing there. Um, holding their Switch consoles uh, in the air while flipping off the <laughs> the booth um, because they're very upset. Uh, this it, is a PlayStation booth, uh, by the way. Yes, this is the Sony booth. So they're booth. showing at the official yeah. Sony PlayStation booth. Um, uh, despite that, <laughs> it was apparently the most popular game at the Sony China Joy booth. had very long lines. Um, it looks like... Um, so this is just a basically uh, open-world game with was it female anime characters yes running around looks like breath of the wild they're running around breath of the wild um there is a picture of them breaking a ps4 someone broke a ps4 someone broke a pro. ps4 pro um yeah that seems a little over the top because they were very angry relax my man that's that's a that's a some first world <laughs> privilege right there yeah we don't you don't need to break a don't, don't break your ps4 pro it. 
Um, you know, I'm sure Nintendo will stop in, step in when they can. But uh, maybe not. Maybe in China it'll just it'll fly by. But I actually, I hate to say it, I kind of want to play it. Uh, I mean, just for a few minutes. I just want to get my oh. hands on it and give it a, give it a go and see what the comparisons are. Uh, Genshin Impact may have copied a few elements from Breath of the Wild, but it shouldn't be necessarily taken as a bad thing. That's what Tech Times article said. Well, when you say copied a few elements, and then the overall looks like almost identical in terms of the style, I don't know. I, I think you have to go a little bit farther to, in order to break it up. Yes, how many ways can overworlds look different in the wild if it takes place in the wild, but it can't be the same artistic style to a T. If you straight up showed me these four pictures that are from um, Genshin Impact mm-hmm. and said, what game is this? I'd go, oh, that's Zelda Breath of the Wild. N- and no- someone hacked in some anime girl with a no, bow and arrow. No question about <laughs> it. I'd be like, oh, Breath of the Wild. Yeah, absolutely. And then and I saw that they're even using the same musical cues. Oh, really? I, saw, I think I saw that reported <laughs> that like the musical cues were like the same. Well. Um, so Okay, so they, just, they did Control-C. They copied and pasted a bunch of stuff reorganize some stuff just so they can get away with it. This is actually happening a bit more. There's a uh, there's a um, popular bootleg Pokemon game in China um, that is supposed to be uh, really popular, and it looks pretty nice, too, and that it was causing all those uh, Bring Back the National Dexters to be like, Ooh, if they can do this in China, then why and they, can't and they do use it here? elements from everywhere yeah, else. Yeah, but they use elements from everywhere else, essentially. So that, that's why. I wonder if Nintendo would want to go after them. See, see, in China, the copyright's a little looser, we'll just say. Yeah. A lot of parts of Asia, it's looser. A lot of ins, a lot of outs. Yeah, a lot of outs. Yeah. A lot of um, facets. So they don't, they don't have as strict laws, so I wonder if Nintendo is going to care enough to to go after to it. Go might after not be it. worth it. Not be worth it. Might not be worth it. Th- think it'll. I don't know. If, I'm trying to think if it would come here and sell well, or people would. Would it like? Would it like uh, soothe the appetite of people without a, without a Nintendo Switch to play a Breath no. of the Wild style game? No, they would have no. got Breath of the Wild right because there. it can look just like Breath of the Wild, but, but I guarantee it you, it's not going to play anything like Breath of the Wild. You'll still be able to fire off and kill things, but it won't have the same heart, you know, and story and. Voice. It'd be funny they use the same. They swapped out just voice actors for the same cutscene guys in it. Jeez, oh, that'd be funny. All right. Well, that's that's interesting. We don't talk about uh, China video game news that often, uh, but yeah, it's funny seeing the all the middle fingers. And uh, I wonder if Sony even gives a shit. <laughs> I wonder if they even care. They must have realized it before putting in the booth that this looks this looks vaguely familiar. Yeah. Maybe. All right. Moving on, Ian. Uh, Ian, we have go a, to the uh, Patreon.com website. That's what you would do. You, you want to start our? We have a Patreon. Well, you want to actually start our segment, Ian? We have a we have a Patreon. We have a Patreon. We do. We do. It's at Patreon.com/slash/cupodcast. When you arrive there, you'll see a list of things that we do for our patrons, <laughs> and you can decide whether or not you'd like to be one. Okay. One of those things is a poll topic weekly. A this weekly. week. This week. This week. Um, at eight percent. This week in baseball. What would your ideal game collection consist of if price was no object? At 10%, when will GameStop stop accepting PS3, 360, <laughs> Wii, and Wii U games and systems for trade? These two choices got were strong on their own right, and now people, I think, are memeing him on the Patreon just voting for whatever the third topic is, Yes, no matter what. <laughs> and then at 82%... This is a runaway hit. What this, classic games have you not played that you're ashamed to admit? Take a, it away, Patrick. That's a Putin election at 82%. Yeah. Jesus. Well, they do like they do like eighty nine percent to make it seem like it's not totally fake. It's like oh, like, you know, dictators do that. All right. Um. So what? 
Hmm. I'll tell you mine right now if you've got to think. See, uh, I've see, I've played them. I've I've played a decent amount of Metroid, but never got far enough to say that I've actually known enough about it. Um, on that same note, though, I've never played Super Metroid, ever. Really? And I think at this point, even though it's Super Nintendo, even though by that point I was t- I was tailing off going to PC, I would think at some point I would have probably played, you know, Super Metroid. I'm not just talking about just like, oh, just load up an emulator. I mean, actually like played and understood the game and know where stuff is and got there. I don't think I've played Super Metroid. If I probably turn on and played it just to see what it is, I probably haven't played it for more than a few minutes, Super Metroid ever. So that's probably the biggest one because that's like a five-star game according to a Super Nintendo guidebook. So that's probably a strange one where you can probably say, I've never played that game. And, and I haven't played a lot of like Final Fantasy a ones, but I'm not an RPG guy, so I don't. Like, I haven't played Final Fantasy two and three in the Super Nintendo. I have played Final Fantasy seven. That I've actually have played on PlayStation back in the day. But but Super Metroid is the one game to me that sort of stands out because that's one of those classic games you thought you would have played at one point. Um, and I, I just I just haven't just haven't done it. Um, I was actually this wasn't my main one, but I was going to actually mention Super Metroid because as much as I like Metroid games, I've only played Super Metroid for maybe maybe an hour total in my life, and it was uh, I, I meant to go back to it and I just never did. It's on Vani's SNES Mini, you know, it'd be easy for me to go back to. Um, the one for me is Chrono Trigger. Um, okay, everyone I've talks about Chrono Trigger. Played most of it, I haven't beat it, but yeah. oh, it's you know fantastic! It's one of the best RPGs out there. I like RPGs, but I just never got around to it, and it's one of those things where now it's just I've pushed it off, I've pushed it off uh, so many times that um, it's tough for me to like find a place to like slot it in, you know, to play it because RPGs take more time uh, than most games, and there's other games that I'm playing, and it's one that I want to get to, but it's the one thing, especially because. Back in the day, people knew I really liked RPGs. It's the one that always blows people's minds that sure. I've never played Chrono Trigger. Sure. Even Trey at work is like, really? He's like, you should probably fix that. <laughs> like, probably should. I'm, look, I'm looking at a list of list of video games considered the best on Wikipedia. This, li- this list is not the best, by the way, but let's just go through some of them here. I'm, I'm just going on the list. I never played the Tech Zork, but who cares? I played other Zork games. Um, Elite's on here. I have played Elite, but you know what I haven't played? I, I, I'm kind of a... Fr- I haven't played the first Privateer. Really? I played the second, the hell out of the second one. And that's a shame because um, I played a little bit of Wing Commander, but I should have played that first Privateer because I love the second one. I skipped through the first one. I should have went back and played it. I never did. Kind of a shame to admit that because I love that. That's like my, almost my favorite, one of my favorite genres of games. Like no, overall, I love that Overall space. Too. But yeah. I did have not played the first Wing Commander. Uh, speaking of games on the Super Nintendo, and and I always forget there was a sequel in the Super Nintendo. It was like the add-on was like secret missions. Yeah, that's so weird. They did the, the add-on. That's how popular uh, that it was. Wing Commander. Yeah. At the time. Oh yeah. It was Not a, Privateer. It was but a Wing. big series. It was big. Uh, but pro- I never played the first Privateer. Where's my third one? Damn it! Well, now you got all the other ones that are basically the same game. Uh, let's see. Outrun. I've played R Type. Not in love with it. Prince of Persia I played, but not enough. I never played uh, Secret of Monkey Island. Never played it. Oh, God. Jeez, fix that. Never fix played it. it. And I played a lot of the LucasArts uh, and Sierra Point and Clicks. Never played the Monkey... I never played any Monkey Island game. Please fix ever. that. Uh, let's see. Lemmings is considered one of the best games. I play Lemmings. I don't like it at all. Uh, I like it. It gets way too stressful. Way too stressful? Yeah. It gets to a point where I'm like, I'm done with this. Can't do it. Never played Mist, but I'm 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 okay admitting that. Or Seventh Guest. Mist is I'm, garbage. I'm okay admitting I never played those. I don't. Ever, I never liked those. Mist is early CD-ROM adventure up games. Garbage. Yeah, 
I mean, it was neat yeah. at the time. I'm not going to deny its importance, but it has not aged well. Never played Earthbound. SimCity 2000. I love SimCity 2000. That's that's to me, it's it's better than the first one on the PC at least. Uh, never played. Yeah, never played UFO Enemy Unknown. That's on this list. Is that? Microsoft? Yeah, that's great. That's the okay. first XCOM. Oh, it is. Okay. Yeah. Never played it. Never played the XCOM games. I'm not. A, I can admit that I'm not. I'm only really ashamed about Super Metroid and probably Privateer to be honest. Where I'm like, okay, I should have played those at some point in my life. Uh, Grim Fandango never played that. I should. Uh, I gotta get on my LucasArts games there. Any, any other stuff you're, you're sort of afraid? Uh, you're ashamed. No, most of ashamed the, most of? of the other things that I've I, I haven't played at this point. I don't. Shame. I don't care. Um, okay, that's not shame then. But uh, the the Chrono Trigger. That's one that I I do feel some remorse over that, and I'll get to it at some point. I probably should feel shame. I didn't. I haven't played the last Civilization. It's supposed to be like freaking. It's mind great. I have yeah. it on PC and on Switch. But that's fear. That's fear. Listen, well, I don't. Want, I want to play Rome Total War. War. I'll play it forever. Like those are the two. I remember. I remember. I got Rome Total War, maybe illegally, and I had it ready to click. I was like, "Don't click on it. If you click on this, your summer's gone. Your summer of whatever that was, two thousand three, wherever the hell it was, would be gone. Or two thousand four. I'll, I'll still living at home. Uh, yeah. All right. That's that's our list there. So thanks. Uh, you know, check out the Patreon. Patreon.com. Slash CU Pockets. Ian's going to get a writing done on there for yes. sure. All right. Do you want to do this Q&A? This is a silly one. Do you want to do it or do you want to skip it? Let's. We can do it. Uh, yeah, we can do it. Let's do it. All right. So I didn't see who asked the question. It doesn't actually say on the uh, list. Oh, uh, yeah. But someone asked us to talk about uh, sandwich rankings. So there's a sandwich ranking that was going around on Twitter. Uh, we are the number one sandwich podcast. We are. We haven't talked about it in a while, though. So we're going to uh, we're going to go through. So I'm going to go through the order. Grilled cheese was number one. Grilled chicken was number two. This is percentage, I guess, of people yeah. they really like or somewhat like on yes, a poll. Okay. Exactly. So 79 percent of people really like grilled cheese. That should be higher. I'm starving now. Grilled chicken. <laughs> I'm going to be ravenous by the time this is done. Grilled chicken, 75% like And it. turkey. 75% of people are boring. Um, you, turkey. Can, you can have a good grilled chicken. It's, it depends on how you top it. Sure. Roasted pepper. Okay. You put some provolone on there. You put a little provolone on yeah. roasted red pepper, you're good. Yeah. Uh, roast beef sandwiches, 71. Well, you, oh, you glossed over the whole turkey thing for a second. Oh, yeah, turkey. Turkey is, again, turkey... They, they, in the picture, they show a nice mouth-watering turkey semi-club with the loose folds, loose folds of leaf lettuce and uh, yeah. romaine and tomato. Ooh, that's, that could be good. Turkey sandwiches often bore me. I'd probably go with grilled chicken over the turkey. Okay, ham sixty-nine percent. I love a classic ham ro- sandwich. Roast beef. Oh yeah, roast on beef. its own, I wouldn't say roast beef on its own. Uh, I mean, I like it, but uh, th- I mean, these aren't really rankings in terms of how many people like them. Yeah. But roast beef is hard to go wrong with a good quality. It's got to be good roast beef. There's bad roast beef. It's got to be good, fresh roast beef. I'm always down for a good roast beef sandwich in Buffalo, like one of the main foods in Buffalo, like the regional foods. You got your chicken wings, but the other big one is roast beef on weck. So Whack? Weck. Weck? Kimmel weck. It's a uh, Kaiser bun topped with, um, basically it's brushed with like egg wash, and then they put uh, kosher salt and caraway seeds on it. And cook it up. What the hell is egg wash? Like egg white, so it sticks. Oh, egg whites. Yeah. Okay. Um, so roast beef sandwiches are big in Buffalo. I like them. I like, uh, horseradish is good. On yeah, that. horseradish oh, goes God. on there. It's usually just the bun. That's they take the bun, they dip it, uh, dip it in the au jus. Horseradish, roast beef. All right. The, the ham, ham. Again, it's all about how you do it. Just a plain ham sandwich. I'm gonna have to pass on a plain ham sandwich. And there's a lot of different types of hams though. 
You, you got your honey ham. Your smoked ham, your cracked pepper ham. There's a lot of different hams. Your black forest ham. Like, you got to... That's right. Like, I, like, like the regular, like, regular crappy pressed ham. No, that's disgusting. But I'll have a honey ham in a second. I think in general, and this happened sometime in my mid-20s, uh, I switched to where if you present me with the two basic choices of sandwich, say at a picnic, you get a ham or a turkey. I think I've switched to the ham. This time has gone on. BLT. It's, it's an American it's, classic, right? It's it's. No, I usually don't go for BLTs personally. But I understand the appeal. I uh, need a, I need I need it to be like with chicken BLT, or uh, I, I need God. to cheat with it with my BLT. That's fair. I I love just a strict BLT: bacon, lettuce, tomato, straight up little I mayo. Just, I just want to taste that Done. that bacon bacon it's, goodness. Uh, it's I so mean, nice. I've had them. I just I just don't gravitate towards them. All right, you can understand okay. the appeal. Now here's a club. Now here's the why the club doesn't qualify me. A club is a combination of like three different sandwiches. Club could be a turkey, probably usually a turkey sandwich, uh, BLT elements in 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 a, in a club, and maybe ham. A uh, classic club should be uh, turkey, ham, bacon, lettuce, tomato, yeah. mayonnaise. And I love clubs. Whatever, uh, that's the one thing. If I didn't go, to, if I went to a uh, God, I wish we had real diners. It was either breakfast food or, or give me a club. Yep, give me a club with fries, and I'm good to go. Uh, now, just a bacon sandwich. sandwich. Is that is that a regional thing? Is that a southern thing? I've never I think had just actually, a bacon sandwich. I think before. that's like a I think that's a UK thing. Is it? I don't know, but yeah, just just a flat out bacon sandwich. Honestly, very little appeal to me there. I would prefer no. to have the lettuce and the tomato mayo. I want I want something more than just bacon. I like bacon, but the bacon fetishism in America has gone a little far. No, I wouldn't say that. It can't go far enough. All right, is, well, that, is that Canadian bacon on there too? Is that regular bacon? It looks go. like the thick rashers, like the it looks like UK bacon. Okay. Which isn't our bacon. Uh, PB&J, 66%. Classic. Not for everyone, though. That's why it's only 66% of people like it. It's a love um, or hate, I think. Um, the NBA loves it. We all know that. Yes, we do that. Steph Curry <laughs> loves his PB&J. Um, I do love peanut butter and jelly. Uh, I tend to go... Um, good for my belly. I tend to go yeah. strawberry over grape. But I'll take any jam. Any old jam you want to throw on uh, there. I don't... Strawberry on PB&J... Yeah, yeah, I can do strawberry. Start with strawberry grape. Yeah, any marmalade. I'm, I'm a big jelly guy. Big marmalade. Marmalade, guy. marmalade's I, good. I Raspberry a, jam. With I got the a seeds. I got a mango one from Costco right now. It's delicious. It's like so bad for you, but it's delicious. Yeah, it's just all sugar. It's no preserves. Fine. You want to you want to try to do preserves though, or, or something with some fruit chunks in it. We're all gonna die soon. But chunky, but but. No, not as chunky. All natural peanut butter is what I'm, is my jam now. I can't, I, I can't do, I can't do the f- fake. You have to, you have to, you have to have your peanut butter in the fridge for me to eat it. I can't do the, I can't do the the jiffy cheap peanut butter. I can't. You can taste the difference between natural. I buy quality peanut butter. Scudders. I, uh, Scudders. Laura Scudder. Laura Scudder. Uh, it doesn't always have to be crunchy for me. I can do crunchy or smooth. Yeah, it can be either one, but it has to be natural. Pulled pork. Pulled pork. Okay, this to me, this is a. Big hit or miss for me because mm-hmm. I like pulled pork, but if you do it bad, it's bad. It can be too vinegary, then it's no good. It's got to have a, a good barbecue sauce. I, I know you don't like for some reason you don't like Phil's barbecue, but their their pulled pork is excellent. It's I excellent. Uh, I like a pulled pork sandwich. It's not what I'm always gonna go for. Uh, for me, pulled pork sandwich has to have coleslaw on top. Otherwise, it's not a pulled pork sandwich. Okay, but, they do that, Phil's. They, but they throw, I'm, they throw, uh, they I, I'm picky about barbecue, so it's it's a real hit or miss one for me. Not going to stop me from ordering it, but I have to know I like the place first. Sure. Yeah, you get. You, it's it's kind of hard to take a risk on a pulled pork. You got to like know what you're getting yeah. into. <laughs> yes, you don't want to be risky with a pulled uh, pork. Tuna at sixty four percent. So tuna, I I waver wildly on just because as a kid, my mom always got it because it was you know why it was the cheapest thing to buy. 
Yeah. It was like 80, 70 cents for a can. That was like three sandwiches, four sandwiches. Believe me, I ate so much tuna for the same reason. My mom used too much mayo. So I got dis- I got grossed out as a kid sometimes. My mom like soupy. Soupy Hellman's mayonnaise, mom. Mom, yeah. why do you think I was fat, mom? Stop feeding me the mayo and the chocolate <laughs> blisses. Um, but a good tuna sandwich, I got you. But I've grown out of love with tuna fish. Mm, now, now salmon. Now, now I'm all about the shredded salmon. salmon. Uh, you mix that with a, just a teeny bit of something with a little bit of mayo. You can eat a little mayo. Yeah, it's fresher. It tastes fresher to me. It's probably better for you. Uh, remember, remember, go only a white albacore. You don't want to trap those dolphins in the nets like it's 1989. Remember that? Remember that? Those, remember that? Oh, yes. Yes, you don't want that to do that. That was a big that. thing. I'm sure this time they figured it out by now. So tuna, I dig tuna. Um, I go through periods where, like, that's all I want for, like, a week is, like, a tuna sandwich. Really? Yeah. Um, I don't make it with mayonnaise all the time anymore. That- What's been really good is um, I'll get it, like, in the packet with nothing, or I'll get it in water. I'll drain it. I'll add... Uh, a little bit of olive oil, a little okay, bit of vinegar, a little I've bit of olive oil, a little bit of uh, vinegar, um, capers, and sometimes uh, olive. You have capers on hand? Sometimes. Okay. okay. That's a weird thing to have on hand. Okay. Now, tuna is a thing that I would never order out, though. Never order at a diner. Never get from a supermarket. Just because you can really screw up tuna fish due to the mayo, uh, t- the level of mayo, uh, how fresh, you don't know how fresh it is when you order it. That's a weird one. Oh, and I hate it when they cut it with, like, celery and onions and shit i don't um, i don't want the vegetables in my tuna if i want the vegetables i'll put them on top of the tuna not okay. in the tuna but you, do, but you do need uh you need lettuce and in my day we use crunched up potato chips yep on your tuna. my mom taught me to use doritos oh okay we didn't have doritos it was too much money we had wise potato chips wise are good chips they're like a dollar for right. a huge thing one of the best honey barbecues now the next one to me egg salad is one of my all-time favorite oh sandwiches. same it's so delicious uh, yeah, people are going to look at you weird when you eat it. No, they'll fuck them. They don't know what they're, they're missing Listen, out on. Egg salad is... Egg best. salad. The reason I like egg salad, it's very hard to screw up egg salad. So you can order a diner mm-hmm. in the store if it's pre-made. Because egg salad, you you know how much mayo to use. You can't trap it like tuna where it's a soup. Like egg salad, it's a certain amount of mayo. It's not too much. Good seasoning. You can put your celery in there. You put your little little guys in there. And, <laughs> little guys in there. And it just tastes fresh. The eggs just take, taste fresh to me. Like tuna can taste weird or can turn slightly sometimes. Egg salad's just a fresh sandwich. I mean, it can just definitely fresh. go wrong. Well, it's harder to than tuna though. It's a lot harder because it's not fish. Okay, I suppose so. One of my um, I'm shocked it's only fifty percent. I, yeah. I, I thought it'd be like seventy percent. I'm su- I'm not surprised. I figured egg salad would be low on the list. I love it. One of my um, uh, secret uh, favorite things is. Uh, Every once in a while, if I'm having like a shitty day at work, I will go get an egg salad sandwich across the street from 7-Eleven. 7-Eleven they pre-make them there? makes a good egg salad sandwich. Well, they don't, they don't make them, but they have well, someone else. Well, yeah, whoever them. makes them for the corporation. The corporation. Makes makes a fine egg salad sandwich. Now, I I, I have to say I'm insulted that only 50, 56% of people said that they like a meatball sandwich. How dare you? Um, Unless you're a vegetarian or vegan, there's no reason not to like a good meatball sandwich. Now, I like them, but I don't order them because they're messy and sloppy as shit. Yeah, like, oh, you got to get one from Mona Lisa. Mm-hmm. Handmade, real real meatballs, not frozen shit. See, see when you order from like a, like a pizza place, a lot of the, they, they order from the same place. They're bought in meatballs. Oh, sure. They're like the frozen Costco ones. They're actually worse than the frozen Costco ones. They taste like plastic sometimes. A nice, good, real homemade meatball at a pizzeria like they're making them like every day that's one of the best things you could possibly have 
Go order from Mona Lisa. Get them delivered. Uh, um, actually, I think, though, at Soda and Swine, they have meatball sliders. What the hell Soda and Swine? It's one of the restaurants that's uh, owned by the same people who do, like, Craft and Commerce, Underbelly. It's okay. in... Uh, it's in um, Southern Swine has two locations. One's in uh, Liberty Station. Um, they actually do a bunch of different, like, pork-based sliders. Okay. And they have a meatball slider that's really okay. good. But I like that because okay. I can handle it. So before you order from a pizza place or Postmates, you please inquire if you're going to meatball sandwich. You have to inquire if they're homemade, house-made meatballs or not. Okay? Uh, Ruben at 48%. Now, I like Rubens. I don't ever eat them, but I, I, I'm fine with having a Ruben. Ruben is, uh, like... Honestly, if it's not my favorite sandwich, it's very, very close to my favorite that's sandwich. A, that has to be a totally regional sandwich. Um, I love... That's a New York thing, Jersey I thing. love Rubens. They were everywhere in New York, and you can't... It, it's hard to find a good one out here. It is. But oh, well, I, do, not, I do love Rubens. Well, there's not a lot of Jewish delis out here. No, there's to not. To begin with. So the, the Jewish deli, they'll specialize in stuff like, like the Ruben or the real... Uh, I guess a real Sloppy Joe. Not the meat one, like the Sloppy Joe sandwich. Yeah. That's totally, I think, probably like a, like a tri-state and everything, right? What's in a sloppy Joe? What's in a Reuben eating real quick? Uh, uh, Reuben's corn are corned beef, Swiss cheese, sauerkraut, and Thousand Island dressing. Russian dressing, according to this. Russian Thousand Island are basically. Oh, they're, 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 they're close. And though. it's on rye. Yep. Uh, sloppy uh, yeah, Joe. It's always supposed to be on rye bread. See, most people know a sloppy Joe is actually a sandwich. Uh, I think it was probably one first. I can't find it now on here. Uh, New Jersey's version of the sloppy Joe exists nowhere else. This is an article. So, okay, what's the Jersey sloppy Joe? Yeah, the Jersey Sloppy Joe. It's kind of in the Reuben family. Um, so is it really a Jersey thing? Okay. I've never heard of it. It's, um... Let's see. So, double-decker, thin-sliced rye bread sandwich made with, um... It's really just a Jersey thing? I thought it was a Northeast thing. Sloppy Joe. I've had an original Sloppy Joe. So they claim that they... they... It's a cold delicatessen sandwich. Okay. Um, and then it's double tacker, thin sliced rye bread okay. made with one or more types of sliced deli meat, such as turkey, ham, pastrami, corned beef, roast beef, or sliced beef tongue, along with Swiss cheese, coleslaw, and Russian dressing. So it's so in that col- Ruben's family. Col- coleslaw instead of um, sauerkraut, and it's cold instead of hot. Um and yeah, I mean, they're a little bit looser with what you can do for your meat. There. So they but claim yeah. that was the original Sloppy Joe from like the 20s. Yeah. So, okay, now we got to get one in Long Island. We got to find one. Sounds kind of good. So, okay, I'm starving now. Me too. Uh, so, are we done with the list? Oh, no, we're at French dip, Ian. French dip's a weird one. Yeah. Oh, it's fine. I'd rather have a roast. I'd ra- Honestly, I'd probably take anything else. If I can get a French dip someplace, I can probably just get a regular roast beef sandwich. The French dip is nice because it comes with the au jus, so it gives me a little bit it's of that a French taste. French roll. Gives me a little bit of that taste of home, but I... That, au jus gives you the taste of home? Well, I was talking <laughs> about how the uh, the roast beef sandwiches in Buffalo, they dip the buns in the au jus. Oh, okay. Yeah, they slice it, touch them to the top of the au jus so it soaks up a little bit. Just a little bit. And then roast beef, and then... Um, does it fall apart? Does it? it? Eat them fast. You complain about a meatball sandwich. Meatball buns don't fall apart from soaking just, in the sauce. You just do a little. Just a dab. Okay. A little dab will do you. Okay. All right. So that's a, actually the French dip is an American invention. That's okay. According to Wikipedia. Um, while, we're, while we're on the French dip, the one thing I will, I've never had is a Monte Cristo. Oh, they're good. I don't like combining desserts and, and meals. They're good. I don't like combining sugar, like sugar and like freaking syrupy stuff with like eating a, a meal. I just don't. I don't know. I don't, I don't like... I like I like it. sweet and savory together. Uh, Monte Cristos are good, but I'm not going to go out of my way to make them. Well, who's going to make one? 
Got to deep fry it up. You got a deep fryer? Um, I mean, you can basically. You can also do it in a pan. pan. Yeah, it's basically just uh, Monte Cristo, just fried ham and cheese with uh, uh, basically on French toast. On French toast. Now I'm hungry. Let's go to Denny's and get, get some sandwich. We should, we should seriously get a sandwich. We should go to Poma's and get a sandwich. Oh, they got a good meatball sandwich there. Their roast beef sandwich. I've never ordered anything but their roast beef sandwich. And actually, the pizza's really good, too. Really? Yeah, the pizza's good. I believe it. Didn't we get it during the marathon? We got Poma's? Yeah, Bonnie, Bonnie picked it up. That was Poma's we had. Oh, the subs. I didn't know it was the pizza, too. Did we get pizza, No, too? the pizza was from someplace else. We did no, get, no, no, no. We no. didn't get Poma subs. The pizza was delivered to us. Remember, we had no idea who delivered us the pizza. Oh, I thought we got a pizza the same time we did Pomos. No. We didn't. Okay, that's right. The, the, the case of the the, the the pizza, the mystery pizza, the mystery pizza. All right, well, that's good. That was a, that was a fun topic. We haven't done like a topic like that in a while, like food or cereal. I like those. That's a good topic. So, all right, that's our senior podcast, Ian. All right. Well, for Pat Contry. Well, we got stuff coming up. Oh. <laughs> you can pre-order a certain Super Nintendo guidebook at ultimatesnes.com. The, the NES book. If it's on a broken down truck somewhere in Michigan, it's almost back in the warehouse. All the oxen died and they ran out of wheel tongues. That's all I need to know is like a heist. They steal my books. Um, we're going to be at Long Island Retro Gaming Expo this weekend in Long Island, baby, New York. It's going to be fun. Uh, 10th, 11th. I am going to a real pizzeria. I'm not going to go to the Corral, Norm, uh, NJ. Oh, real quick. This is why this is the first time Norm yelled at me ever. Ever. The first time Norm really ever yelled at me was this past weekend. Uh-huh. And I have to say, I didn't do anything wrong. Uh, we were talking about uh, poker, and I said, uh, my bucket list, I told you about World Series of Poker, I want to do it. Mm-hmm. So I said, I think I want to do it next time. I said, I said, I think I can make the second day. I think I said, I'm confident. And Norm flipped out on me. Norm acted like I said I could beat the UFC heavyweight champion tomorrow. Oh. And he flipped out, and it was funny because it was at the VIP event. And uh, he's like, what are you talking about? You can't do that. You can't just waltz in. And I was like, Norm... Most of the people are still not eliminated on day day two. There's nine days to the event. And I think I triggered something in him. I don't use that word often, but he revealed that he once played competitive uh, uh, magic. Mm-hmm. So I think he had qualified to play with professionals once. Uh, like he was a player, and then he must have got his ass kicked. He didn't know the deal. I, I inferred that he must have got his ass kicked and thought he was a hot shit before playing. So now he, he was experiencing it again when I was telling him I can get to day two. And I think I triggered something enormous. <laughs> but he apologized later, and we had fun. It's all good fun. But it was funny because me, Jay, and him, it was like a whole 10-minute argument I was having with Norm about it. Oh, God. Love Norm. We all love Norm. And... uh we don't see Norm the rest of the year, I don't think. No, nope, he's not going to be at... Uh, he's going to miss Portland this year. So now I'm sad. I don't see my buddy Norm there. Okay, well, anyway. So I'm going to make the day two of the World Series Poker. I'm going to try. Do it. To do it. I'm going to do it. Do it now. All right, so for Ian Ferguson, I'm Pat Contry. We'll see you in Long Island. If not, we'll see you next week. Well, Ian won't see you next week. Ian's going to be gone the next podcast or two. We'll see if can call in for one, but Yeah, I, sh- I, sh- I can maybe call in for the one. Well, just, just to say hi or for the whole thing? For the whole thing. Okay. Well, we can see if that works. It might be weird, but okay. All right. We'll see you later.